What's up, honey? I'm Sadi Simone. For years, I was looking for a spiritual sanctuary, but never felt like I fit into the wellness space. I was so turned off by the idea that I had to fit into what spirituality should look like or should sound like, I carved out a niche of my own. By embracing my spiritual sassy nature, I became an embodied permission slip to allow others to do the same. Spiritually sass is owning where you fall on the many spectrums of life, living in a complex gray areas between normal and nonconformist. Whether you identify as plain vanilla or sparkly rainbow gelato, my community welcomes and celebrates you in all your delicious potential. This podcast is for people longing for an avant-garde awakening. On the Spiritually Sassy Show, we're going to explore and celebrate what it means to show up in your full power, feeling fabulous, looking fabulous, and making a fabulous impact together. One guest at a time, we're revolutionizing and redefining what it means to be spiritual in today's modern world. This episode is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. As I graduate myself, the health coaching certification has been a huge ally for me to be where I'm at today. Are you curious to learn more or thinking of kicking off a new chapter in your career? Head over to the show notes and click the link to get a delicious, massive discount of $2,000 off of your tuition when you pay in full or $1,500 off if you use a payment plan. And my love, don't forget, you have to use my name as a referral to get this epic discount. And just in case you forgot, my name is Sa Di Simone. Hello, sweet loves, and welcome to a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. This episode is for everyone who wants to start a business and wants an iconic, legendary mentor. Today's guest is Sofia Amoroso. She's the founder and CEO at Business Class. She's a serial entrepreneur and a New York Times bestselling author who has forged an unprecedented path in founding and scaling iconic brands and businesses. Well, hunties, here we are with a new episode of the Spiritually Sassy Show. And today's guest is someone that I've admired and been uh, happy to have spent time together talking about all kinds of things. Today's guest is the legendary, the iconic Sofia Moroso. Welcome to the show, honey. Hi, thank you for having me, honey. Yes, such an honor. Thanks for making the time. So let's um, dive right into it. The first question I ask every guest is, who are you right now? Right now, I am a serial entrepreneur scarred by my own ambition, building something to teach other entrepreneurs how to build their own businesses while finding a way to find peace and uh, balance, whatever that is, in, mm-hmm. my, in my personal life, mm-hmm. instead of really completely give up my personal life to my business. And that's looked like building a company called Nasty Gal starting when Mm -hmm. I was 22. I built that for 10 years and eventually we did over a hundred million dollars in revenue and then wrote a book called Girl Boss that became a Netflix series. And then I started a company called Girl Boss and it's a long story. But today Mm -hmm. I'm building something called business class and teaching entrepreneurs how to build their own profitable businesses, which Mm -hmm. just feels so good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, tell me about that. So business class is a 10 week entrepreneurship program for founders and founders to be mm-hmm. who want to start or level up their businesses. And we teach everything from finding product market fit and figuring out exactly what your idea is and validating it to talking to your customers. We go through exercises where we do that. It's very active. Mm -hmm. And then we go through legal and marketing and LLCs versus S corps and C corps and, you know, trademarks and leadership. And we put our brands together together and we talk about brand marketing and digital marketing and we have a whole, uh, module on running Facebook ads. It's really, really comprehensive. It's a lot. It's mm-hmm. a 10-week program, but our mm-hmm. students have lifetime access to it. Okay. So it's really a resource that you get forever when you join business class. And we also have a thriving community called The Lounge, mm-hmm. where students can make friends, interact, share their successes, mm-hmm. share their struggles, and support mm-hmm. one another. And so enrollment for business class, and class opens only twice a year. Okay. So yeah, we're enrolling right now. I, mm-hmm. I guess as the at the time of this recording, mm-hmm. and the doors close on October first, and then we do it again in the spring, and that's it. So we mm-hmm. we really only allow people to join twice a year because we actually go on this journey, this flight, mm-hmm. this series of flights mm-hmm. together, um, and they're guided by myself and the flight crew, which is my team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do it twice a year. We take flight twice a year. Who qualifies to, to study with you in this, yeah. in this program? So it's not application-based. Anybody okay. who feels like they're ready to start a business or mm-hmm. has a business and wants to level up mm-hmm. or someone who's ready to put a plan together. So they may not be starting right now, mm-hmm. but they are ready to put their plan together. They have a couple ideas that they want to narrow down and then really focus on so they can plan to get started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's largely founders who are bootstrapping their businesses, who don't have a bunch of investors behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little investing, but generally I, I recommend against companies raising money from investor because you really don't need it. A lot of these businesses are running on Shopify, they're product-based businesses, they're freelancers. Mm -hmm. There's all these tools for you to manage your own business and to Mm -hmm. grow digitally. And Mm -hmm. you're an example of that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Without needing to take on outside capital. So Mm -hmm. um, they're founders who are like me when I began. I was an accidental entrepreneur. I thought business people were super squares. Like these are creatives and you know, freelancers and creators mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. coaches and designers. Mm-hmm. So beauty, you know, brow artists, like it runs mm-hmm. the gamut. But I think the theme is for the most part that they're unlikely entrepreneurs. And there's a whole generation of us now mm-hmm. where a quote unquote business person I think mm-hmm. used to be, I thought they would wear, they were wore a suit and carried a briefcase. But mm-hmm. at this point, it's not such a bad word or a word that I think of when I think of like evil people. That's right. It's not every business person is like a corporation that doesn't pay taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yeah, that's who it would. I'm listening to all of this and I'm like, holy shit, girl, I feel like I need to take this class. Cause I've just literally been like having someone, a mentor, uh, people who you can look up to who have a blueprint for success. It's it's so rare. You know, sometimes I, I have a couple friends who I'm always like sharing the, you know, the the highs and the lows, the the challenges and and the successes that I'm having while 
building a spiritual business, which feels so kind of odd saying it out loud. But I got I got schooled by my by my financial advisor on on Monday um, because the way I'm running my business, you know, and and then just seeing how like everyone on my team, it just there's so many layers to it that um so people who are listening to the to the to the show are more on the spiritual end of the spectrum. The coaches, well-being teachers, meditation teachers. So is it for all of them? Is this something? Is the, is, is the blueprint apply for everybody? Because I'm like, I feel like I need to take this class. I need to get the class for everyone who works in my team. They got to do this course too. Yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of coaches and teachers and service providers in business class Mm -hmm. and the mechanics Mm -hmm. of their businesses really aren't that different. They're in the client business, they're in the service Mm -hmm. business more than the product business. But at the end of the day, you're serving customers, Mm -hmm. you're marketing, you're figuring out your positioning and your branding, you're managing Mm -hmm. your finances, you're dealing with legal that stuff doesn't really change between, you know, the types of businesses. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned this kind of dichotomy or schism or whatever between your spiritual kind of path and your business where, mm-hmm. you know, and that's so funny because I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm helping people you build are. their businesses, but I'm also building my business. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, I feel like, oh gosh, I should, should I be giving this away? You know, like I have all of this knowledge. Why should I, I don't need to do this, but I kind of do need to, cause I am unemployable. And at the end of the day, you know, for all of us who are teaching something, have something to share that we know and have integrity for and conviction for, what mm-hmm. it is that we're teaching mm-hmm. can feel like what it is that they're providing um, is a fraction of what it is than it costs. And honestly, when people pay for things, when someone comes into your program or business class, more than what they're paying for is that they're committing. Like when I get stuff for free, I'm like, whatever. Hey, friend, mm-hmm. do you want this weird, weird influencer gift? But mm-hmm. if I pay for it, I'm like, this is special. That's you right. know, and so you've kind of indebted yourself in a weird way. And money is just one way to kind of spiritually indebt yourself to something you've committed to. It's a really good way to do it. You hire mm-hmm. a personal trainer, you paid for it. They're probably going to come over and you're probably going to exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's actually a service. Like it really is. The business end of it is a gift to other people mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, what you're, what you're sharing far outweighs the sacrifice of a few dollars for somebody because it's really not about the money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So are you, are people who are uh, working in coming to the school, is there um, like a mission driven kind of need for them to, you know, work under your guidance under this program? Like what, what we would say would be like a, um, have a, you know, a, a saintly quality to it or an altruistic quality to it. Like we are in the business of helping people, you know? Um, so can anyone who, who has the desire to, to help? I mean, my question actually is, is, is everyone in the program with a mission to, to better the world, to bring something of value, to, to beautify the world? Yeah. So we have something. Or do you teach them that like, honey, you're not for you to sleep, to go to bed at night and happy. You got to bring an intention that's altruistic to your business. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for some businesses, it's 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 more it's more clear what that exchange is. You mm-hmm. know, I'm building a business that uses no plastic. It's the no plastic, it's plastic free store. Or mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. building something that advances the spirituality of uh, people of color, whatever that might be, or builds mm-hmm. community. And we have a lot of students who are building communities, which is a whole nother thing because turning that into a business is a challenge. Everybody wants to build a community, but it's like, is that a business? Maybe you should, how do you monetize that? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But for some people, it's making someone feel beautiful or it's entertaining mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really do want to foster the next generation of impact-based businesses. And the more clear the impact on the environment, or on people that or mm-hmm. and the bigger impact that students can make on the environment or people is something that we really do keep in mind. It's not a prerequisite for joining, but through business class, we really do want them to think about that and define it. Mm. And and it's a lot clearer to find, like I said, for a business like yours, but for mm-hmm. even Nasty Gal, which was a fashion brand that I ran for 10 years. Nasty Gal wasn't about the clothes. Like if you bought a leather jacket at Nasty Gal, like a motorcycle jacket mm-hmm. and put on a red lip, mm-hmm. you were like, that was a, that was a promise to your future self that you were going to be more confident. It mm-hmm. wasn't about having a leather jacket. Like that's mm-hmm. nice to have, but like the mm-hmm. Nasty Gal, like alchemized the future that our customers wanted to have and kind of like leapfrogged them into that with something material, but that material thing was so meaningful in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I know it's fashion mm-hmm. and I know this might sound a little wild, but that's really no, what you're it did. There. Mm-hmm. It would be really hard mm-hmm. to make that up. I would be so embarrassed to make that up and try to make fashion sound like more than it was, but that was actually how people felt. That's what they told us. And it's what we saw in the transformation. I 100% believe it. That our customers made, yeah. Yeah. The impact on the environment, fashion's impact on the environment, not as great. Wouldn't do that Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. Different time. Mm -hmm. Learned a lot, but we impacted Mm -hmm. a lot of people's lives. Yeah, and and I think it's when I think about fashion, I think about two ways. It's either you're you are masking your your inner demons, Um, so you're presenting yourself in a coherent way to the world by dressing, you know, putting on the red lip or the jacket. Or you're doing it as an extension and as a, as, a, as a promise to yourself that you're going to like express yourself, be bolder, louder, um, more, more free, more authentic. And um, so I love that because I definitely use fashion and, ex- and really use fashion as, as, a, as a form of creative expression to express my, my inner uh, beauty, my inner authenticity. And there's definitely a beautiful dance. And I notice the days that I'm not feeling you know, a hundred percent. Um, I will then put something beautiful on and that will kind of elevate the mood and kind of bring me back into that space of, 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 um, openness of mind and, and kindness of heart. Um, but if you are listening and you're like, if you're listening to Sophia and I talk about this and, and you are just checking in with yourself, do you use fashion to mask or do you use it as an extension of your heart? Just check in with yourself and, and about this. Um, so I love this, Sophia. I love that you're that you're helping people create businesses. And do you think everyone has the capacity to be an entrepreneur? Is that for everyone? I have this conversation with my siblings all the time. You know, I've been asked that question so many times. I feel like 
No Oops. human should be able uh, to answer. Sorry, okay. did you lose me? No, I said just, oops, put you in a spot uh, there. <laughs> uh, no, I, I just, I think uh, that like for me to be the arbiter of that question is really challenging because, you know, everybody has different limitations. Everybody has different opportunities. Everybody has mm-hmm. um, different aptitude, right? So mm-hmm. applying anything to everybody, I think is a very dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody comes from a different background. Everybody comes from a different culture. Mm-hmm. Some people's ideals are different than others. Some people may not want to be entrepreneurs and some people have responsibilities in life that taking that kind of risk is actually quite dangerous for them. Mm-hmm. So is everyone capable of it? Everyone's capable of trying. Does it work for everyone to actually become an entrepreneur and stay an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. That's a bigger question because it is a really hard mm. thing to do. And mm. I find that, you know, people who were troublemakers when they were young, people who questioned authority when they were young, or these people who like had all the money in the world and their parents paid for their business. It's like this like spectrum of like mm-hmm. the people who start businesses are like rich kids mm-hmm. who like are can take risks because it's someone else's money or those of us who just don't fit in and Mm -hmm. I am part of the don't fit in part. Mm -hmm. And that's a way more fun, scrappy way of getting there. I think Mm -hmm. I didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. you know, some people really do thrive having more security in a job. That being said, we've seen in the last year, the job security is like maybe a contradiction in terms. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So security is never secure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to create that inner safety in order for you to just be able to navigate the the waters. So I love that you said that you kind of that you, how you answer this, but I also hear in your voice uh, like a blessing that all people have the capacity to kind of do whatever they want. You know, their inner resources are there. It's when people ask me, is everyone creative? Can everyone be authentic? Yeah, everyone has all the, we can all be radically authentic. We could all be creative. Creativity isn't for a certain few, isn't just for Sophia, isn't just for sides. For everyone has that, that capacity. But I think when it comes to being an entrepreneur, it, 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 there is something, I, I reflect on this with my siblings, it's like working for someone else, um, maybe a lot, maybe easier for some people, you know, than like being the boss and, and running a show. And I am, you know, saying this out loud and, and, and just being, in, talking to you about this. It's so interesting because I am just learning about how to run a business every single day. It just doesn't end, you know, like how to go through the, and starting something else and starting something. And I feel like I'm a serial entrepreneur too, just thinking about new ideas. How could I, help people in a new innovative way. Um, but then thinking about all the steps that it takes to get to that point. But I am really excited about, I do thrive. You know, I stay, stay up late collecting images, collecting visuals, inspiration. I love that process. I love that process so much. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. You know, so if you're a curious person and, and problems are interesting to solve for you and when yes. someone says no, you think, how, um, or, Mm. you know, well, how can I turn that no into Mm. a yes? There's a certain amount of entitlement to that. And that's easier for some of us than others. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's, uh, it's a never ending learning process where it's not like a skill that you learn that you 
master and that's it, which mm -hmm. is incredible, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure doctors improve over time, but really you're learning something. That's what you do. You're a doctor for entrepreneurs. It is so many things. So, you know, it's like you have to learn finance and all of this stuff that is just so much of it is really unsexy too. And so it's definitely entrepreneurship is over glamorized mm -hmm. and, you know, it's something that people think is going to be, wow, I'm on the Forbes 40 under 40 or look, I have a book deal or, and that happens for a few people, but it's actually entrepreneurship is really challenging and it's nice when those things happen, but it's also dangerous to base your self-worth mm -hmm. on any kind of accolades or mm -hmm. anything that comes from other people other than your customer, really, because that's what a business is. If mm -hmm. people, the people you serve love what you're doing, that's all that matters. If anybody else on the outside pays attention or doesn't pay attention, it really has no bearing on the validity of what you're doing. And I think mm -hmm. that's where a lot of founders mm -hmm. get lost mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and start to resent the day to day when actually the beauty is kind of in working out the knots mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. How have you changed personally through this journey of, of starting so many businesses? Like, tell me about the psychological evolution of Sophia. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I started out as a baby boomer and I ended a millennial because when I started my eBay store, when I hired my first people, you know, I paid my first employee more than I paid myself, hired a few more people. And it was literally like, if you're not walking as fast as me across the warehouse, why am I paying you? Mm -hmm. You know, it was like that kind of hustle culture, mm -hmm. but I don't even remember that even being a term. This was like 2007, 2008. But as a founder, it's really easy to expect everyone else to work just as hard as you and care just as much as you. And often that's not the case and people have lives and people have constraints. And for them, mm. this is often just a job. You want them to be bought into the mission, but it doesn't mean they're going to destroy their lives for you. Mm -hmm. And I was very young, you know, I was 22 when I started Nasty Gal. And of course I was excited and I'd stay up all night and be inspired. And like what you're talking about, was just an endless scavenger hunt of mm -hmm. learning but it's not necessarily that for everybody else. So I, I, I don't think I built a great culture at Nasty Gal because it started with something that wasn't really intentional and something that wasn't sustainable for a business as it scaled. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was young. I'd never worked in an office before my name was on the lease of one. I had worked in shoe stores and photo labs and record stores. And here I am all of a sudden an executive managing 50 year olds I love who this. have had careers mm -hmm. for longer than I've been alive. You know, mm -hmm. they're probably working in retail for literally 30 years and I was 22 years old. So mm -hmm. that is bewildering. Mm -hmm. And of course you're going to fail them. Mm -hmm. I had never even seen what leadership looked like. I didn't even have to be a manager. Like or a leader before this to just have seen what that looks like outside of clocking in and clocking out of a shoe store, which really that's management, not leadership. Mm -hmm. And I never managed anything. Mm -hmm. I was like a clerk um, would have given me such an advantage. And so I, because I had never had that experience, it was almost impossible for me to empathize with the people who worked for me. 
because mm-hmm. I don't need that guidance. I don't mm-hmm. need leadership. Mm-hmm. I like wake up and I'm like, cool, I'm going to do this stuff. I don't need, I mean, I need structure, but no one's going to give it to me and mm-hmm. I can't give it to myself. So there's that. That's frustrating. Mm. But people need nurturing. They need acknowledgement. They need clarity. They need transparency. They need encouragement. They need to see the vision. They need to see the long term. And Mm-hmm. I didn't even see that stuff long term. I was like, get these orders out the door. Our business is exploding. I wasn't preaching the vision of Nasty Gal. I never thought mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. I never planned it. And people need to be watered just like plants, right? You can't just let them like wilt and hope they do their best and say like, good luck, right? They're looking to you for that leadership. I also wanted to be the cool boss. Which I was like, oh, like, just because I'm a boss, I don't want you to think that, like, I'm not cool. Like, let's go drink. You know, mm-hmm. let's, you know, I was the last person on the dance floor at our holiday parties. And I thought I was the coolest rock and roll boss ever. But really, like, I kind of think it eroded respect, like, with my team. Like, they're not, that's not what they want from you. As much as maybe you even are that person, mm. you have to show up in the position that they expect from you and they need from you, not the position that you want to have or how you want to be perceived. You need to be perceived Mm -hmm. in the way that they need to be led. Mm. And that's a whole act. You know, I used to walk into my office and just like scuttle into the corner in my office, like my own office. I didn't sit out on the floor with everybody else. I hid out my own bathroom once we had a big office Mm-hmm. and I'm an introvert and I was just terrified, you know, at a certain point I didn't even know all my employees names. I had hundreds of people and I realized that it's my job to walk through the office and be like, raw, raw. Good morning, everybody. What are we working on? That looks amazing. Wow. This progress. I mean, honestly, I don't even have a script for it mm-hmm. because it's not my nature. Mm-hmm. But that's what a leader has to do. Even when you don't mm-hmm. feel like it, that's a job I didn't know I was signing up for. And honestly, wow. I'm really not qualified to do, mm-hmm. um, but found myself learning the hard way that people needed that. And I only learned it because they didn't get it, complained. And then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. once we had, I had accidentally built a quote unquote toxic culture, I finally learned what it was supposed to be because I had built what it wasn't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So today I've learned all those things and I'm able to infuse all of that into what I do and what I teach in business class and with mm-hmm. my own team. We have a tiny team. We have four people. So uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off of, you know, having to stand in front of a room of 20 or 40 or 100 people who are looking up at you like baby birds, like feed me, feed me <laughs> with your inspiration. Feed me. What's happening next? Tell me what's yeah. happening. What's yeah. my future? My future. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> I'm not like a mama bird. I'm not, I don't, I don't know how nurturing I even am. So I love having a small team. Uh, and I know what great leadership looks like. And once I got, I left Nasty at all, got up and started Girl Boss, I really tried to model that. And I hired great leadership in the company and modeled it and learned from those leaders that I had hired who were great examples. Mm -hmm. I think we built a really great culture there. So that was a little bit, that was a little bit cathartic to know that I wasn't doomed to be not a great boss Mm -hmm. or not know what's up. I like learned and then I had this awesome opportunity to start over with my second business, implement what I learned and then see the 
see the, the, the results of it in how the team interacted and how inspired they were and Mm -hmm. getting like love letters from people when they quit stuff that I never thought would happen. I didn't know that people could like love love their jobs that much. And Mm -hmm. that's what happened at girl boss. So from them to then to now, I guess is a, that's a long way of saying the biggest thing I've learned is leadership. Mm, Okay. What is it? What is, how does it look like in your, in your personal life, like the changes that you've learned, how does it, how does it, how has it changed you with your friends, with your, with your family, with your partner, you know? Like learning to be a better boss, learning to create this kind of like loving culture, learning to inspire people, learning to, to, you know, do all the things that you've learned through the business. I guess what I'm asking is it like, can we carry our our the wisdom that we have as people at work into our personal lives? And I think with remote work culture and in entrepreneurship, the 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 work life balance is kind of like blurry. It's just mm-hmm. like who you are at work. Um, and I mean, I have a very clear stance about that, but I'm clear to hear. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to hear what you have to say about that. Like, how has those changes in Sophia as the business? leader, the, this iconic person who's helped so many, who's inspired so many people, who's created confidence, who's dressed so many people like, oh my goodness, this, you know, like thinking about it from the perspective, um, how has all of that kind of like, you know, unlocked something inside of you for your personal relationships? Because I think I, I noticed in my own life, it's like, if I don't have these moments of pause, these moments of recalibration, I will carry the stress from work into my personal life. And it doesn't matter that I teach people how to, you know, be better people. I still, you know, ended up faltering to being like, I just on the phone with my mom before coming here, before coming after, after this treatment. And she was just going on and on and about, you know, something that we talk about constantly. And I'm just, I just went to that snappy mode, you know? Um, But do you see where I'm going with this question? Yeah, Absolutely. Sometimes it's hard to end your thoughts with a question when you host a podcast. I did it for five years. And you're like, well, what is my question? What is my question? Um, do they understand? Yeah. Is it landing? It, yeah. I said it a bunch of different ways. Yeah. Um, Thank you, my love. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing that I kind of immediately found that I was able to do with friends and family was be generous. Uh, once I kind of had some financial success, I was not a naturally generous person. I was like, I want my shirt back. Give me my shirt. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> you borrowed my shirt or whatever. And now I'm just like, have the shirt. There's actually nothing that you could take out of my house other than my dogs. And maybe like one thing that my boy, two things my boyfriend made for me and a gift for my mom, literally take it all. I could care less or maybe the painting of green tar from Bhutan. I was just going to say that one. We have yeah. to talk about this though. You got to keep that. I got to keep that. But mm. I don't, you know, I don't, things just became things. They mm-hmm. lost their value in a lot of ways once mm-hmm. I could afford them. Mm-hmm. And what became a real joy was sharing my home and my pool mm-hmm. and the ability to take friends on trips or, you know, mm-hmm. help them out when they're in a bind or, Mm-hmm. You know, I still have friends. My friend's car got impounded because he couldn't, you know, I have friends, my old friends like drive 
DoorDash. Like my old friends are not business people. They're mm-hmm. artists and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. creatives and they're struggling. And mm-hmm. that's, those are my people. And those are the people that I get to kind of that under, understand, that know me, right? Mm-hmm. Not, I'm not some novel business girl, girl boss. I'm just mm-hmm. Sophia and mm-hmm. everyone else I've met after those friendships has been someone who's only paid attention to me because I did something. And mm-hmm. I still don't know how I feel about that mm-hmm. um, because I shouldn't have to do something to mm-hmm. have your respect or attention. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm also that person that's like, I'll pay attention if you're like, do something interesting, whatever. <laughs> it's like awful. It's awful that that's how the world works. But it, that's, you know, I think that's the biggest one. But, you know, yes, I've transformed a lot through business and figured out how to behave and act. And a lot of it is a an act as much as I'm saying, like, I learned and this is what leadership looks like. It's still an act. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up every day born a natural leader. I'm a natural marketer. I'm a natural creative. I'm a natural a lot of things. I'm not a natural leader. Mm-hmm. And people project that onto me with a mm-hmm. girl boss and, oh, mm-hmm. my God, women and what you've done for women. I'm like, I wrote a book called Girl Boss. I don't think I did that much. I sold clothes. I wrote a book called Girl Boss. I honestly, I don't, you know, I get more credit than I deserve or need. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. It's pressure. But I don't know how much this is carried into my personal life because it is so strategic And as much as I want to say that I do it with heart, Mm -hmm. I do it because I need to do it. It's not that I don't care, but I have, you know, this is not inspiring for your listeners, but I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this. Mm -hmm. I don't lead with my heart. Mm -hmm. And in my personal life, that's one of the biggest things that I have to work on. I'm a Mm -hmm. good friend on paper. I show up for your birthday. I make sure you blow out a candle. You're not going to pay for your own dinner or your own drinks on your birthday, right? Mm. Something happens, you get flowers from me. Like I'm officially a good friend, but there are, there's a certain amount of like generosity and appreciation and um, intimacy that I that I am challenged with in my mm-hmm. personal life that you mm-hmm. think like, Oh, all this shit you've learned and 15 years of entrepreneurship would have, you know, somehow how many its way into your personal life. And I don't honestly don't know if it has. Mm. That's brutally, that's, brutally uh, honest. And thank you for that. That's very beautiful. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it clearly has because you could be this honest, uh, you know, and I think that kind of honesty comes with, with just, being radically authentic and if if you could be radically authentic and vulnerable on 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 a podcast i think you've you've developed a really masterful skill you know thanks but for everybody listening i just want to remind you that that should not be a novelty i should not be special that shouldn't be a talent like telling your truth is should be table stakes right like everybody has their crap, you know, Mm -hmm. if you express your crap, at least you're showing people that you're in touch with yourself. It's actually like a great asset that hopefully attracts the right people to you. Mm -hmm. When people are so impressed and I'm not trying to like insult you or 
like not take a compliment. But when people are so impressed by by my authenticity, I'm just like, what are you running around talking about? Like if me telling the truth is so special, mm-hmm. what are you guys doing? Like what kind of script have you written for yourself? What a hassle. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. am too lazy. I think I might just be too lazy to like put on a put a, put in that much effort. But for everybody mm-hmm. listening, I just want to remind you, it's actually a lot easier to just be straight up and share your story. You're going to have much more interesting conversations and you'll have an opportunity to learn about yourself because other mm-hmm. people will open up too. Yeah. So it, it's selfish if you frame it, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, but if you look, I think I, I do just want to say one more, one more time, just reinforce this for everybody because we do live in a culture of pretending, even to the way that we greet each other at the supermarket. Hi, how are you? And the reality is we don't even have the time or the presence to, to engage with anyone's inner world. And we don't even care, but we live in such a way that we are constantly, you know, pretending to, to be these coherent acts and, and never really putting down the mask or disarmoring ourselves and, and instead of you know being on the defense, really letting our 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 you know really speaking to what's to what's bothering us in a way that's empowered and vulnerable and not disempowered by the challenges. So I I do think that you've mastered something, honey. Okay, and I think okay, it's great. You. Yeah, and thank I think you. it's great. Yeah, and I think there is something really beautiful about that. Um, and for everyone listening too, it's like. You know, see where, what areas in your life are you sort of like creating a culture of, of pretending, a culture that's rooted in like what the world has to say about you and like how often do you actually like are just brutally honest with yourself and with the world, you know, like, and, and this starts with like, who are you when no one's watching? Like, who are you in the anonymous of your, of your bedroom or your bathroom? Like, what kind of things are you telling yourself, you know? Just thinking about it like that. Um, yeah. I want to talk about your trip to Bhutan. Ooh, yes. So what what led you to want to go to such a, a, a radically Buddhist country? Um, that's how yeah. I found you, though. I mean, I've known about you for a oh, while, yeah. but that's how I was like, oh, my God. Someone sent, it, someone sent me one of your stories, said Sophia's in Bhutan. And I was like, What? Okay, the world, this is amazing because someone like you with such big influence is interested in these things. <laughs> You're, there's a ripple. Everyone that yeah. watched those stories, you know, everyone who yeah. follows your work was interested in, in, in what, you, what you're sharing to the world. They got that imprint, you know? Yeah. Wow. I think I've always been really fascinated by mysticism. And I think that word's a lot more interesting to me than spirituality or religion, but like real mysticism where there's like deep seated, sometimes magical beliefs mm-hmm. that are ancient. And, you know, I'd heard from someone I know, you know, she had traveled mm. so much and I asked her what her favorite place on earth was. And she said, Bhutan, and she had done trekking in Bhutan with like a Sherpa and, you know, traveled across the highlands. And she was actually a CEO at Nasty Gal. She's a, like a 60 something year old woman who's just the coolest person in the whole world. Mm. And that's how I first heard of it. And honestly, didn't really hear about it a lot after that. It wasn't like, oh, wow, everybody keeps talking about Bhutan. I just mm-hmm. remember, you know, her... You know, she's someone whose recommendation I would take on anything. And it was years after she told me about Bhutan that I checked into it. And 
you know, it's, it's an incredible country. Once you do some research, you know, it's the amount of tourists that go there in a year is the same as the number of tourists that go to Disneyland in a day. It's carbon negative. It actually sucks carbon out of the air. It's, law that 70%, 75% of, it's 65% of the country has to be like forested or can't be built on. But actually I think they just like they're overachievers and 75% mm-hmm. is forest. Mm. Um, free education through college. There's more monks than soldiers. They measure the com- the country, not on gross dollars or, you know, like they measure it on something called gross national happiness. Mm-hmm. And that is how the king runs things. Um, everybody speaks English. So, you know, you meet someone in a really like rural area who's, you know, eating food on the side of the river with their family. And you're like, hello. And they're like, hey. <laughs> what's that like, honey <laughs> you're like me almost Sophia and they're like uh shut up um <laughs> but um it's just like they're such smart like it's just they're they're their English is better than ours and they're more educated than me and they have you know they're this really rich culture and history Mm-hmm. that's very unspoiled because mm-hmm. I know Buddhism exists in a lot of forms, but in Bhutan, their influence of the West has really not set in. Mm-hmm. It's still a very closed country and they call it the last Shangri-La. And they consider Buddhism kind of a, a not a religion, but a hybrid of science Sophia has but three I, poodles, so yeah, we, three poodles. We, we got some barks Sorry. here and there. We're fine. Um, I love it's like it. Like a, a hybrid of science and what's the other thing? Philosophy. Mm-hmm. So it's like science and philosophy, not religion. And mm-hmm. you know, they there's a guy named oh, I think it's like Drukpa Kinsley or the Mad Monk. Like mm. there's this guy who has his own town that's covered in penises, and he's this like highly revered monk who is super promiscuous like flew around there's dicks everywhere but they're like this guy's really special mm-hmm. you know and it's the kind of it's not a puritanical way of going about mm-hmm. religion or the world which i think is really interesting um and it's you know what's what's beautiful about it is that it is very orthodox you know, i greek i grew up mm-hmm. i grew up greek orthodox and yeah. orthodox means unchanged and you know, there's still incense in the, you know, the choir sings in, in Greek, at least in Greek Orthodoxy. And the icons are 2D, they're not 3D. And, you know, the Catholic Church, hey. I want to hear all of that on the record, though. I want to hear the whistle oh. <laughs> like that. Oh, yeah, it's so loud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My dad could do that. <laughs> Twenty years in dive bars. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Um, but you know that's that that's where I grew up, and I've you know I did a whole photo photo series chasing uh, actually Russian Orthodox monks around at their monasteries, and 
have always just really been fascinated by spiritual dropouts who like completely remove themselves from all worldly things. Mm-hmm. It's like super punk to me. Um, so I'm just like always in awe of those people and super curious about their psychology and their lives. And I think they're probably the smartest people on the planet, honestly. Mm. Have you had a mystical experience? Um, yeah, I took salvia divinorum. I've taken it a few times. I've smoked it. And do you know what it is? Is it that thing I smoked when I was 19? I just walked in a corner of the room like drooling. Is it something trippy like that that you just – It trippy. lasts for like 15 minutes and then it's Yeah, dope. it doesn't last very long. You can buy it in like a Hollywood – on Hollywood yeah. Boulevard, like a smoke yeah, you shop. Yeah, you can buy it in head shops. Oh, it's my like, gosh. It's like <laughs> – it's like, it's, like da- it's like downer acid or like downer DMT or something. Oh, my um, God. Have you done DMT? And no. But Galen has and seen a whole lot of stuff that sounds pretty cool. Machine elves. Mm. But um, Galen's my partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time I did, I actually did it during quarantine, right when it started. I was like, I think I was trying to prove something to Galen. I was like, oh, you do DMT? Watch me do salvia. I'm cool. I'm not square. <laughs> and I ended oh, up no, like, need, melting uh... into the sofa. I like fully got like sucked into the sofa, disappeared, full ego death. I was like... Uh, just part of like a melty crayon rainbow just was like, and and I remember I was like, holy, this isn't really mystical, but I, I he had to pull me out of the sofa. Cause I was like my arm, I was inside the sofa and like my arm came out. It was like that movie video drum or something. And, but the time I was more mystical, I think was when I lived in San Francisco and I took salvia and it was one of those moments of like, come with us. Like, mm. you know, you can choose. Do you want to come with us? Do you want to join us? Right. Uh, like not, like, it was really a choice whether or not I wanted to like step through. It was like sand. It was like dunes and like a, basically a sand castle mm-hmm. that like these, some entity, that's what it looked like. And, they were like, do you want to join us? And I think I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. But, you know, I, I believe in I believe in all this stuff. I believe in whatever you want to call it, mm. guardian angels. And mm-hmm. Do you have a practice of, of connection to, like, the unseen world? Are you in the practice of, like, seduction of the gods? Mm. I think I'm scared of my own like abilities there and haven't really like tapped into it. I really love birds. <laughs> um, like I, I just see birds as like, like they're all over my yard, hummingbirds. Like I put a lot of meaning into birds and butterflies and I'm, I'm not, I didn't like invent that, mm-hmm. but they're the thing that like, Literally, you know, like some kind of allergy medicine commercial, I could just run through fields of grass being like, 
birds and butterflies and be like, this life is, you know, incredible and, and everything else melts away. I can just like observe them forever. So do I like practice witchcraft or, you know, summon spirits? I'm more, more than anything. I'm like, Hey there. Like I see that. I'm like, what's up? I see you. You were, you flew by me earlier, didn't you? (laughs) But I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really ask for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about, um, what about like mystical experiences in Bhutan? Anything that like, it's kind of like a, you know, I feel like that was a, <clears throat> from what I saw, it was like a big pivotal moment for you. You know, we, I don't think I'm supposed to talk much about it, but we met with a master, Buddhist mm-hmm. master. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say a lot about it, but I would say that was a pretty magical experience, mm-hmm. you know, that to be in the presence of someone who has had, who who has a very um, confidential um, kind of like uh, legend, <laughs> religion kind mm. of thinking taught to them and taught things that as far as I understand and you can correct me if I'm wrong, very Mm. few people are given that knowledge. Mm -hmm. I think to be in the presence of someone who can channel, who can channel something so ancient is really special. Um, So that was definitely a moment. Mm. Mm -hmm. There haven't been a lot of like, transcendent moments they're 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 brief and they're not like um they're they're like visceral they're not like as i don't know how to describe it i feel like this is really boring um Mm -mm, this is so great i mean that's the kind of thing that i'm like yes tell me more it's 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 so um it's so sort of misunderstood and it's it's people feel like they have to be this big moment where like the virgin mary appears in your living room and you're like you know yeah and crying blood and then you have like stigmata in your hands Uh and you're you know it's like it doesn't have to be that like mystical experiences are moments of of radical perspective change you know, where like a miracle happens inside of you that you just see yourself on the world radically different. There's a there's a turning of the page. There is a moment where um, you see the sun in a completely different way. The way the sun hits the the leaves and the way the leaves dance on the on the in the wind. It's just there's just this most profound beauty. Um, that is a mystical experience. It's these moments where I don't know where I am and where Sophia begins, you know, where you are watching the birds and you don't know, you know, who's watching who, you know, it's these experiences that I'm talking about. It's like, I, I think, um, we are sort of afraid of these, of this, of this, you know, non-dual mind entering into that space where there is, there's no separation, you know, where the veil falls, um, and then, of course, there are these moments where, you know, when I was having suicidal uh, depression and I was kind of planning that day, this is many years ago, uh, what I was going to do, how I was going to exit. And I had an experience, a vision of one of my teachers appearing to me. And, and she says, girl, if you want to cure this suicidal depression, go be of service. And everyone on the, on the, on the show is tired of me telling this story. But 
I tell this story for one of two reasons. One, because these moments are, they happen and we, we usually don't give credit or we don't lean into it because we're scared, you know, because they don't fit the, the bill of what, of what life is like yeah. form and, 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 you know, all the things that, that make up this yeah. world. And when we have mystical experience, we realize that life is so much more than what meets the eye. And we are able to tap into this truth at the base of our being that helps us to see that, like, you know, there's so many realities happen simultaneously. Um, that's mm -hmm. what I call mysticism. It's being able to, like, be in communion with the unseen world and, and asking for support of the unseen world to help us, you know, transform the, the world that we experience through our senses, you know? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've definitely had those moments meditating, and I'm not as you know, religious about whatever meditating as I could be. But, you know, I live in the hills and kind of on a little bit of a bluff that the breeze blows over. And there's been times where I'm meditating and it just feels like, you know, my head is stretching, you know, like my torso gets longer. And then like the wind blows, but it's like, what is it blowing on? Mm. Like I can feel it, but I'm like, just like dancing with it mm -hmm. or something like oh my, my god that's it this is exactly and the torso and getting really big that's literally yeah. something that's happened to me multiple times first yeah, time that's really happened cool. to me was in a meditation retreat in in nepal years ago i was like what the fuck i'm the size of this gompa now <laughs> you know <laughs> uh wow this is it my love this is exactly what i'm talking about if we could make that more that kind of conversation more more kind of you know natural more totally and they're know. small they're small right you know people it's the same thing with you know business people are like what was your big break what was mm -hmm. the big turning point and it's yeah. like for spirituality often it's like accumulation of small things and when someone asks you have you ever had a spiritual moment you're thinking oh my god i haven't seen god um i haven't been abducted by aliens i don't know like mm -hmm. what qualifies mm -hmm. as that because it sounds like such a lofty expectation but mm -hmm. these can be things that happen in your daily life where you're chopping a vegetable and like space the fuck out and you're like i i chop vegetables and you're like that's all there is is like me chop vegetable mm -hmm. does that make sense a hundred percent you become the action like yeah, Sophia like mergers. Sophia mer part becomes one yoga communion with the action where you're. Mm -hmm. uh, that's these are mystical experiences, you know, and the accumulation of them creates a life of transcendence, creates a life of, of 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 unity consciousness where we have access to this, to this the you know the this beautiful fabric of love that weaves everything together, um, and God works through people. You know, mm -hmm. it's not that we're going mm -hmm. to see God necessarily. I, I feel like through my own experiences, it's very much about like the kindness of a stranger is God talking to you through them, you know? Mm -hmm. And one thing I've been saying l recently, it's like, who was I talking to the other day on the podcast? They were sharing a story about like a producer from that produced Michael Jackson's, uh, one of Michael Jackson's album, like the one that's like most big, big, big album. And they said that the moment that, I forgot the whole story, but I'm paraphrasing, just kind of like doing a really bad job at it. But what mm -hmm. I remember from it is like, 
the moment that you are doing something in service of, uh, this goes back to the business thing that I was talking about earlier, uh, about mission-driven, about creating impact, about contributing. Um, the This guy was saying, this big producer that was working with Michael Jackson said, the moment that you are doing something, and you said this earlier too, and I'm glad I remember this story, about like when you're doing something that will be beneficial to your customer, to your to the listener, to the to your customer base, uh, God's in the room. The moment that you make it about you, what am I getting out of? You know, God leaves the room. Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. are entering into these like selfless kind of uh, uh, activities um, and and entering into the into the realm of contribution, less about accumulation, um, something beautiful happens. We have these yeah. these mystical moments, you know. And that's great leadership. It's great personal leadership, and that's the kind of stuff. Just back to business. Yeah, that no, please. Teams. Yeah. Right. You're like, this is the impact we're going to make with business class. Not like, did you get that email scheduled, or mm-hmm. you know, what's our goal for this or that? Like, yeah, that stuff is there. It's part of the deal. But like, what really the reason we show up and what feels so good and why we work so hard is because of how much nourishment we get from watching, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs gain access to some knowledge that I just accumulated. Mm -hmm. Like it's really like not a lot to give away Mm -hmm. what it is that, you know, Mm -hmm. and how much it can benefit people is just wild. And to see your experience and knowledge be harvested and harvested and harvested and just continue like doing work makes it, all the hardship of, you know, public scrutiny and mm-hmm. <laughs> lawsuits and glass door and, mm-hmm. you know, the highs and lows of entrepreneurship completely worth it. Mm, I love that. In the, in the, in the highs and lows and all of it, there's a lot of like betrayal and, and harm that happens, right? Would you agree to that? Yeah, absolutely. Would you, what would you say is the role of forgiveness in your life in that? And when it comes to, in, in, all life, work and personal life and that merger of both. Like, tell me about forgiveness, the role of forgiveness in your in your life. I think forgetfulness serves as my forgiveness. For- oh, okay. For- okay. You're on to something. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I like puns and alliteration. So let me just think in yeah. puns and alliteration. Go, 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 go. I, off, think, honey. I think I prefer to forget than to forgive. And mm. once I forget, I just don't care enough to put energy into it. You know, there are forgive. It's like I move on mm-hmm. and it doesn't haunt me. Mm-hmm. I look out for things that look like the thing that hurt me, mm. but I don't really harbor resentment for people for very long. Mm-hmm. There are people who. I certainly have had to separate myself from because it's like, well, this is, I'm in danger. Mm-hmm. This person has the wrong intentions. And that's just a boundary. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it's like very matter of fact. Someone has to be really close to me to even conjure the word forgiveness because that means I put so much merit into, like, that's an emotional relationship. Mm. If I forgive someone, if someone does something shitty in business, it's like, okay, moving on, I'm going to not work with you or I'm going to figure out how to fix this. Mm-hmm. And it's very kind of nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. Um, forgiveness is challenging because there's 
you can confuse forgiveness with rationalization and rationalizing things that aren't okay and accepting things that aren't okay with saying, you know what, like you're just human, like that's okay. So I find it hard to understand how to know what is me accepting something I shouldn't Mm -hmm. and tolerating it Mm -hmm. and letting someone stay in my life or not being angry or not trying to, you know, not exact revenge, but solve the problem and like forgive someone and just, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe I don't know the definition of the word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I very rarely think I, I forgive you. I forgive you. I just want to applaud you. Like, thank you. Thank you for all what? that. What? No, it's, what? Just, it's so like not an answer. It is an answer to a degree. It is. It's like a, it's your inner world. You're letting us into your inner world. And how I don't want to be that? a contrarian. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. No, you're not. And I'm going to share with you what, what forgiveness is to me. Right. Okay. And what I've been, what I've studied about it. So forgiveness is, is releasing the desire to punish, you know, those who've done us wrong and the ways that we've done ourselves wrong. Um, it's it's then releasing the desire to punish like they fucked those over or i've i fucked them over i fucked myself over it's like enough of carrying the cycle of paying forward you know Mm -hmm. can i just say this happened and then here's what i did with it and then i think there's another aspect to it people think that forgiveness forgiveness requires a level of, of radical acceptance that it happened the way it happened but acceptance is not approval you know, I think people misinterpret like that acceptance has to do with approval. Therefore, I give my consent for more of that to happen. But mm-hmm. acceptance just means I accept that this happened in the past. Um, I don't approve of it. I don't give my consent for more of that to happen. Um, and I think forgiveness, I always bring it up on the, on the podcast at every episode, even in the last few minutes of the show, um, to just kind of test the waters where everyone is, because I find that forgiveness is such a it's such a catalyst for for spiritual liberation. I think people who who hold grudges and who are harboring and ruminating and and tripping over the the, the pains mm-hmm. of the past, uh, they can't glimpse into 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 presence. Therefore, they don't have this like direct revelation of truth. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I think about forgiveness, I think about this this healing nectar that is such a daily practice, right? Of just like, oh my God, it just, <laughs> it's a fragile art, but it's something that we do every day. We just continuously to like release. And at some point, the hook of the past pain doesn't have the same texture in our nervous system that it had before. All of a sudden, you could be walking at 2 p.m. in the afternoon at the grocery store on a Tuesday, on a random Tuesday, and then that painful memory visits your mind and it just kind of passes like a cloud. You know, there's no loop and there's no like, there's no um, uh, insatiable association with that dark cloud. It's there is that moment of recognition that it's a dark cloud, but mm-hmm. I'm the fucking sky. Wow. I've lost myself to that pain. I've become that cloud um, and I've operated from that cloud. Forgiveness was like the, the catalyst for me wanting to do any of the things that I'm doing now, you know? 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, I relate. I relate to that definition of it. And there are okay. a few select circumstances where forgiveness is something that I would actually even have to consider like two. Mm-hmm. And the rest are just not important enough to me to even think of that word. But there's certainly like at least one person that I would really like to finally get punished for extorting people in Los Angeles that they weasel their way (laughs) into Mm. their lives and then Mm. threaten them, threatened me to like go to the press saying all kinds of bogus stuff. Oh my God. Um, Mm. And I've heard over and over again that this person does that just like to other people and other people. It's just like, can somebody call vanity fair or like, how do you, how do you stop this like Mm -hmm. cycle? Mm -hmm. And I kind of don't forgive her, Mm -hmm. but like I, I just also don't really think about her that much. But that scarred me. Mm-hmm. That really scarred me mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. a friend do that. Fuck. I'm sorry, honey. It's okay. Yeah. There I are mean, worse things to happen in the world. Like boohoo. Boohoo, I have something that someone else wants. That's a blessing. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, it's like it's it's it, what what the natural law of justice, aka karma, would say. It's happening in our lives because we put it there. It's a little bit jarring truth, right? Um, or sort of like the the mystical side of it also from another degree of truth. It's like, oh, I have made this agreement before coming into this life. So you and this person, one could say, have some sort of like mutual agreement of let's mm-hmm. get to the truth of, of what we both need to learn from this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll do that on our own time separately. Yeah. But I agree that, and this is something I learned in Bhutan, is you know, burning off bad karma. Bad shit happens to burn off bad karma, mm, 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 mm. and then you can look at it and be like, "Oh, cool! Like mm-hmm. this, this mm-hmm. debris is now mm-hmm. like this is, this is what happens. This mm-hmm. is how I pay for it, or something like that." But yeah. And, and I if gotta you tell you, mm-hmm. then it's burned off, right? I can't right. burn off unless you forgive, and I think mm-hmm. that's kind of comes full circle to maybe how I understand this a little bit better since we've started mm-hmm. talking about it. And I gotta tell you, like you're accumulating a lot of merit, which is spiritual money through Buddhist perspective by helping all these people start their businesses with a mission, with creating impact, with the beautification of the world. So to a degree, yes, we have to work on the direction of forgiveness, but when we are accumulating merit, you know, the spiritual money, we're we're paying off our karmic debt. So it's not necessarily to have to work on that direction to achieve forgiveness. If you're doing your your job the way you're doing and you're helping people to start their business, you're helping people to feel confident to step up and lead and be guides and 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 help better make the world a better place, that that marriage that you're accumulating is then supporting your healing in, in all different areas of your life. So hell yeah, honey. Yeah. Really the deficits I had that I filled, I now get to fill other people with. Mm, That is so big. Oh my God. Yes. Listen, last couple questions. Um, I know we're out of time, but I just have two more questions. What is the, the top thing that makes you feel like sexy in a day? Mm. Mm. Good hair and makeup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, like it's like I don't even take sweatpants off. So 
just getting dressed, clothes fitting well, mm-hmm. sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, wearing a bathing suit with like a white button down open, like a linen button down open and just like walking around with a coffee and the white like button down blowing behind me. Ooh. That's, just, that's cool. That's a beautiful picture. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I can so that's see nice. it. That's like my LA, like yeah. my favorite moments. Yeah. That's like the ultimate. Uh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> okay. Um, I have one more question. Help us define what it means to be spiritually sassy. Hmm. I mean, I think being spiritually sassy is, like I said earlier, like being punk about it and not subscribing to anything in particular, feeling comfortable borrowing from what exists, but creating something entirely new that works for you and your own recipe and not, Mm. not subscribing to any kind of, um, super rigid, um, framework. Mm-hmm. but borrowing from them because there's so much to borrow from and there's so much kind of like heritage and um you know spirituality in the world that all kind of mirrors itself and whatever speaks most to you i think is what's right for you um and doing it you know unconventionally and and really for you, like really your way, right? Not feeling like you have to subscribe to something and that you're a bad person if you don't do it this way. Mm-hmm. Just like giving yourself the freedom to explore your spirituality and learn as you go and change your mind, mm-hmm. change who you are and change what you believe mm-hmm. and evolve in that regard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be audacious enough to change. I like that. Yeah. I like Other that. people will want you to be the person that you were yesterday, and it's your job to wake up and be a different person than you were yesterday. Oh, shit. We got to put that shit down, honey, on the quote. I know. Ooh. I know. Can someone put that on my Instagram? Yeah. That's the undertow. That's the undertow of other people's expectations. They want mm. you to be the same, and you you may you may let that happen, but you have to like escape the that undertow and keep, you know, lift, like, you know real in the anchor of other people's expectations and just keep going. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Well, thank God for you, honey. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank God for you too. Oh my goodness. I love oh, talking with you. I could talk oh to you forever. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. I feel like we all need to take business class. Aww. We all need to join uh, the enroll, 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 how do I say this word? Enrollment. Yes. Doors are open. I'm going to use better English, easier English. Yeah. The doors are well, open. Well, that's airline theme. Doors okay. are open. We're taking flight. Doors are closing soon. And that's right. Wheels up. Mm-hmm. Um, our journey begins. All the flight, flight paraphernalia, mm-hmm. business mm-hmm. classes, Pan Am themed. So it's not just the name of a thing. It's like a business class. It's like, oh, no, no, no. It's about like, it's like, aviation themed and I'm dressed like a flight attendant. It's really fun. It's really fucking cool. Like all Thank the you. art for it. It's just like you, you, I mean, honey, you know what you're doing. It is like incredible how you've mastered that, this art. It's beautiful. Thanks. So thank you so much for that. The thank link you. to join uh, business class is going to be in the show notes and we're going to share the link in the email 
um, sharing about the podcast to everyone. So thank you. Get in there. Get in there, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, yeah. everybody, for listening. Thanks for giving us your time. I hope this is, I don't know, helpful. It Maybe. is. Yes. At the, very, at the very least, a mirror. Yeah. And what else do we want, right? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Lots of love to everybody. Sophia, thank you so much, my love. Thank you.